Welcome to Beyond the Document, a podcast from Formpipe, where we discuss everything that is output, document, and customer communication management. Now, this episode, our first in 2024, is looking at how banks and financial organizations can innovate and adapt their business to meet modern day requirements. Here at Formpipe Software, we play a big role in helping meet those requirements, ensuring the best communication management are produced, and often delivering hyper-personalization, which is moving from being a nice to have to more of a prerequisite on those beautiful RFPs that we get given. But it's the core platform that plays the main part in delivering the innovation desired and the innovation that will drive the bank forward for the next decade or even further. So joining me today to discuss this is Nelson Mutton, the CEO of Saskada, who don't only bring innovation, but also supercharge it. So welcome to the podcast, Nelson. Thanks, Ben. Really good to be here. Yeah, good. And good to meet face-to-face here in London. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, there is only one place we can start this podcast, which is the history of Saskada, because mm-hmm. that as an organization and as a core platform vendor plays such an important role, the backstory as to why you're here. So maybe you could tell everybody about that. Yeah, it, it started um, not as Saskada, but it started back in 2013. My co-founder and I, a guy called Steve Round, um, he wanted to build a bank for the unbanked. Um, at that time in the UK, we'd been through a decade already of very low interest rates. Sure. All that's over, as we <laughs> all we know. We know. Um, yeah. and, and at the... At, in this kind of period around 2013, um, those of you long enough in the tooth might well remember this, particularly if you're close enough, close enough to financial services, the government was trying to mandate banks to kind of offer second class current accounts to customers, right? Cheap current accounts. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was all about um, uh, driving up financial inclusion. Um, but we didn't really agree with that because you know, the technology means you shouldn't be offering a second class product, right? It's not much good a bank account without things like direct debits and, and all those other bits and pieces attached to it, right? A second class account wasn't the right way. So he wanted to build um, a first class product, as he would say in his own words, that was applicable to all. Um, and um, I'm not going to spend too much time on that story, but what's important about it is in order to build a bank, uh, we had to buy core banking software. And that hurt. Okay. Right. It hurt. Um, the world has changed significantly since 2013 sure. in yeah. terms of core banking, uh, but many of the well-established vendors are still out there today and are still well-established. Um, and uh, you know, we affectionately term them snake oil salesmen. Uh, you know, <laughs> what was promised to us in the sales pitch and what was delivered, okay. and there was a huge gap. Uh, in the end, to deliver the proposition we wanted to take to market, uh, we ended up building loads of software around the core banking system. Um, we scaled that bank and exited. And having exited that, um, I went back to Steve on this occasion and said, look, I want you to join me. Let's solve some of the issues we found in core banking. And that's how Saskada started. Uh, we probably incorporated the business we kind of came up with the idea before exiting, so probably around 2017. Around 2019, we started work. Um, we did what I would say to founders never do, which is we sat in a dark room and spent about two <laughs> years building a platform without any clients. Okay, yeah. Uh, Based on your own experience. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think um, it was all right to do that because we'd just come out of running a bank sure. and knew the problems we wanted sure. to solve. Uh, but generally, I'd say, don't do that. Find a client. Find a prospective client to work with to build it. Mm-hmm. And then having done that, we quietly went into the market using our network to start signing initial clients. 
Um, some of those have become huge successes in the in the last couple of years. Um, and then after that, we started raising money and going, now we built a platform and we've got clients and we've got revenue. Now we want to expand sales and marketing. And that brings us pretty much to today. And that's across all different types of banking as well, different banking verticals. Yeah. So one of the things that we found super frustrating with core banking, I, I guess I'm a techie. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a sort of techie rundown of where we see some of the challenges. And what you said that like it was an, an admission. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think um, I've, always, I've always maintained it was a good place to be being a techie. And I've largely the world sees us slightly as the, the rock stars we think of ourselves as being these okay, days. Yeah, yeah. But for a long time, being a techie was a slightly dirty word. And, yes. and, it, and it meant you didn't wash very much and you never <laughs> went out in the daytime. And you certainly couldn't talk to human beings. Um, one of the things we saw, we learned about the, the, the kind of challenges core banking, especially legacy core banking platforms have, is that the behavior of an account, a loan account, a deposit account, a current account, um, and the account itself are very, very closely coupled together. Uh, what tends to happen is core banking software is often written around lending as a proposition because mm -hmm. banks make money from lending sure. money. So it's kind of number one on their list. And to get the money to start off, a bank will might go to capital markets to get that money. Uh, bring it into the bank and start lending it out. And then further on down the line, they'll go, right, we ought to kind of get deposits in yeah. and get retail money and it's cheaper um, and increase margin and so on and so forth. And what happens then is the core banking software that currently charges interest in the, the loan account gets pulled out and it gets copied over to the deposit account area and it gets turned upside down and now it earns interest in charge instead of charging. And it's a quick fix. And the functionality isn't quite so good, but it does kind of work. Sure. And a little bit further down the line, they take that code, they go, we want to get into transactional banking. They pull the interest bit off and they go, here's your transactional bit. And then that's sold as modules. So you'll go to a core banking vendor and they'll say, we'd like to send you, you know, we're going to sell you the lending. Oh, you want deposits? Well, we've got a deposit module you can buy. Oh, you want current accounts? We'll sell you a current account module. Yeah. Um, and what they're really selling is three different code bases that are maintained tested, run, and developed independently of each other. And that is really expensive. Okay. So what we did at Cascado is we broke down, we looked at kind of the, the broad spectrum of financial services products and picked out all the common little attributes they have and then put those into little blocks of functionality. And then we allow our customers to bring those blocks together to launch products on the platform. And you can launch any kind of product once you're on the platform. You want a loan account, go ahead. You want deposit accounts, go ahead. You want current accounts, go ahead. You want a hybrid where it does behaves like this and like this and in certain circumstances like that. Go ahead, right? Bring all those little bits of functionality together, describe how you want it to work and, and get it running on the platform instantly. And then from a from a maintenance point of view, then you keep those modules maintained yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really elegant about it, those little blocks, adding new blocks in takes us a couple of days. Okay. Right? So yeah. the customer comes to us and says, yeah, this is all really nice, but what I actually need to do is ABC. And we go, oh, yeah, we haven't got an ABC. Right, no problem, we'll build you a new block. And what's very elegant about this is that new ABC block, it's ignored by all your existing products because they've got nothing to do with the ABC functionality. So your ability to deploy it, add it in really quickly, but you're not spending months regression testing all of your 
deposit accounts or loan accounts or current accounts because you've added new functionality in. The new functionality sits completely separate from those accounts. They'll ignore it. They're not interested in it. So your ability to change, adapt, modify what you're doing, bring new functionality to the platform very, very, very quickly. So that that's you know a key thing, a key challenge that we understood having bought and used core banking software we felt need to change. Well, I mean, that that, that feeds into also the, the, the fact that we know that not all banks are Greenfield, okay? It, it's a bit of a luxury, I think, if you are, yeah. uh, and that can be a whole, a whole organization that can be a bank moving into a new area. But obviously they do have, a lot of them have existing business, of course. and they've got to maintain that. They've of got course. to still make it competitively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maintaining that kind of business as usual whilst also going through this digitization for an existing bank is a big challenge. So when we talk about like legacy tech, it is a way that you can also introduce your way of working to organizations with that challenge. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, let's talk about that. So we liken a bank changing its core banking system to kind of open heart surgery. Yeah. <laughs> while the patient's walking around. Yeah. It doesn't get any scarier than that. Nobody wants open heart surgery. You have open heart surgery because you're going to die without it. And actually, I think it's a pretty good analogy for that reason. It's a very, very frightening decision for a board to make, um, full of risk. The road is full of disaster stories that are fairly public out there about banking transformation projects that went horribly wrong and customers couldn't access their money and the regulator comes down pretty hard when that happened. It's a nightmare. Um, so there's a few things that we look to do to mitigate uh, a whole load of that stuff. So quite a lot of a financial services products, a financial service businesses products, a bank or otherwise, are fairly short term. Not all of them. Some of them current accounts run for many years. Mortgages, clearly many years. Deposit accounts, though, tend to be one, two, five-year products. Loan accounts often tend to be in the same sort of brackets. So what we'll encourage platforms to do or businesses to do is to stand our platform up alongside their existing system and run down the book on one side and run up the book on on our side. So as those maturity windows come along on your deposit accounts, close them off on old platform, open up the new product on the new platform, mitigate a whole load of risk. What we tend to find is that doing that gives gives a a bank some wins. And that's quite important. When you're doing transformation, you can't spend months and months waiting for a small success story to bubble its way back up to senior management. You need wins quickly. Um, And wins build a kind of cultural momentum for change, which is also utterly critical. I was going to pick up on that point because I I acknowledge your your first words were, "I'm, I'm a techie, but stepping away from the actual software used and the technical aspect, a big part that we see here is people's hearts and minds, people who are involved in the project and people who may have been familiar with the existing platform for the last 15 or 20 years of their career. So obviously making them feel comfortable and um, not making feel even feel that their role is at risk by bringing in new technology, which is actually going to safeguard the banking future. I see that as important as well. Yeah, I think um, the first place to start is new technology doesn't, doesn't, really mean less people working it means more scale so the same number of people but being able to do more things because technology makes it more efficient you start with that as a viewpoint and then start talking to the people about 
where they're frustrated. What is it that frustrates you about your job? Where are you spending a whole load of time that you just think, for God's sake, why are we doing it like this? And those are really great questions because generally if you find, you talk to people in that context, it's like, well, maybe we could take away some of that pain. Now, now they're kind of, okay, I'm, I'm open to the idea of change. You're not making it, you're not trying to make it harder for me. Yeah. You're trying to take some of that pain away. There, there's no doubt though, you know, it is a huge cultural project to do kind of digital transformation. Yeah. And, and there are, there are always friction and pain points. We'll often find doing these kind of things the stuff that's not documented and not known about and, and that's hidden away in, in, in a bank where, you know, that somebody does and it's not really the correct use of that tool, but it's been done like that for ages and it does kind of work for them and trying to uncover all the things that haven't been documented and written down and, and understood. I think um, the other thing I'd also kind of really urge anyone thinking about digital transformation is um, start the process with where you want to be. I, I, you know, we we see a lot of RFPs, um, uh, and I don't think this is uh, uh, dedicated to the financial services industry. But when we see them, a lot of them describe what an organisation does now. Yeah. And when we see that, we we kind of think, why why are we doing this really scary open heart surgery project if we just want to achieve what we're doing now? Yeah. Complete, I mean, we, we've had this within our own organisation. So in about 2018, 2019, we merged effectively three different business units into one. And obviously all those internal systems that came with it. And I agree, you know, if you, if you then canvassed everybody involved, you'd get a huge amount of requirements instead of looking forward and thinking, right, it's going to be a little bit turbulent for 12 months, but where do we want to get to? Um, I was at a presentation in London last year and uh, I've forgotten the gentleman's name, but it was from the Nationwide. And he said the first thing you need to do is actually assess where you are and also see where you want to go to because they were looking at the number of systems that they got internally. They thought it was maybe 40 or 50, it turned out to be 140. Right. So until you really understand where you are, can you really plot where you're trying to get to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, real pain. Um, and, and obviously, you, you use that lovely phrase of open heart surgery. I mean, <laughs> definitely the, the big bang approach. I, I, I do think those days have gone. You know, if we, if we can feed it into organizations and you, you touched on some quick wins. Yeah, so the, the way we, we approach that is, is probably around the second thing that we do really uniquely um, in, in the core banking space, which is real-time data. Yes. So um, one of the frustrations we had when running a bank was reporting. Um, and almost all banks will recognize and roll their eyes at this. Reporting usually involves a, a staggeringly large number of people working on spreadsheets, drilling out data from databases in different systems and sewing it all back together, building a bunch of graphs, and then pushing it out to senior management. And all of that stuff takes time, which means as in a leadership role in the bank, you're out of date constantly. Right, you're always out of date, and and it's very difficult to reconcile all those reports against each other because they didn't all happen at exactly the same time. So one of the ways we we addressed that challenge um, was to build um, build a core banking system around event source architecture. I won't bore the build the audience with all the details of that, <laughs> but ultimately what it means is that all of the transactions in our platform get stored as unstructured data. Okay. 
We then go through an event process that takes the unstructured data and builds data structures for their dedicated uh, use cases. So data structures might be customer statements. Right? It might be management information reporting. It might be regulatory reporting. It might be a rewards program. Mm-hmm. Right? It might any of those things. In fact, all of those things happen simultaneously. So every time a transaction comes in, it goes into our eventing system, it grabs that transaction and goes, right, I need to do this for that report, this for that report, this for that report, this for that report. And all of that happens simultaneously every time a transaction happens. What's incredibly powerful about this as a model, no chief exec has ever done this, um, but, but it's a useful example. If, if one day the chief exec of the bank woke up and said, actually, what I need to do is understand what the weather was like when any transaction happened in the, in the bank. What you can do is you can go into our venting system and you can enrich transactional data with weather data at time and location transaction happened and instantly have a new report, right? Now, the next transaction that comes through, you're going to have weather data in there as well. And then you can take that template and you can apply it to all the historic data our platform has ever processed. So your ability to ask questions of the data and turn it around and ask new ones and then go, oh, I'd like to know this now and ask again is an incredibly powerful tool. And um, is, is that to enable to identify trends? And, and absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you, we, you touched on, in the intro, you touched on hyper-personalization, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we definitely use it for that. We use it, there's two kind of real use cases. So one, running alongside existing platforms, we can transform the output from our platform to fit in with all of your existing reporting systems. Okay, so we reduce friction in that transformation process by going, you don't have to replace all of this. You don't have to duplicate all of those things. Tell us what data that system needs. We will just make sure our output conforms to that and feeds in. Okay. That's one place that we have. The really sexy stuff where it gets super exciting (laughs) is where clients use that data to understand what their customers are doing what's working, what's not working, and then they start to modify their products in order to kind of make them work better for customers. And and this is something that we really want to um, double down on and focus on in the coming year. It's one of our kind of strategic objectives this year because we see that as super exciting. So by that, you're almost saying you're using the the data as the the ears to listen to what the market are telling you. Yeah, right. So in marketing terms, right, what what would normally happen is... um, We'd go into a CRM system and we'd write some query to pull all the data out of the CRM system about customers we thought we wanted a message with something. Right? Yes, yeah. But yeah. none of their financial behavior, rightly, is in the CRM system. Yeah. It's in the core banking system, yeah. right? So what if I wanted to capture customers who typically write three checks a month? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And let me say, let's say, for example... Hopefully that's not many, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> but there'll be some. Um, and let's say, I don't know what it costs to process a check, but let's say it costs three pounds to process a check. Every yeah. time I, as a bank, have to deal with a flipping check, that's three quid, right? Yeah. And then what if, for those customers, I incentivize them by saying, I'm good, for the next year, I'll give you two pound every time that you pay the people that you've been paying with check electronically. Okay. And you start to positively change behavior yeah. and incentivize your customers to do that. And that's you know a year of paying the cleaner yeah. electronically instead of by check, you're never going to go back, yeah. Yeah. right? So now yeah. it's suddenly easier. That, 
that ways of looking at using that data to monitor what customers are actually doing and figuring out real tiny segments and incentivizing them so that I could have a rewards program that looks completely different from yours because the things the bank would like me to do are completely different from the things the bank would like you to do. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. And in the same way that banks for 400 years have been using data and, and back then it would have been what they actually knew about a person. Absolutely. Here we're, we're using real-time information. Exactly. So it's a really powerful tool. And, I, I, you know, we're barely scratching the surface of it. Super exciting. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, given it is only February, what, what do you see coming for your organization this yeah, year? Yeah, it's all, all going to be about data. So it's going to be, <laughs> it's, it's going to be another good year for, from a growth point of view. Super exciting. We're continuing to grow across Europe, uh, which is really great. Uh, we're starting to get some traction in the Middle East now as well. Um, and Asia is starting to kind of come onto the radar as well. So a really exciting time for us as a business. Recruiting hard, uh, building out our team, all super stuff. From a client point of view, we really want to start building out some example templates and things for customers to play with inside our data eventing system to start sparking their imagination and creating ways of them going, oh, I quite like that, but can I just tweak it to do this instead of that? And start really encouraging them to drive that use of data back into the, what they do as a business and start to challenge that. And I guess there's nothing stopping you from learning from one client and taking some of that learning and introducing it to a new client and saying, you know, CEO, CEO over here has actually found these type of reports really beneficial to them. Yeah, exactly. Because those template, those every every client has their own instance of the Sascada platform for obvious data sovereignty and security reasons. Yes. Um, but those kind of templates are incredibly repeatable, right? Yeah. So we can just go, and in fact, we're going to start building out suites of those for clients to kind of play. Because I think, um, you, you, one of the things that's really super powerful about this is that the place that you read data on our platform is totally separate from where you write it, right? Yeah. The writing goes into the unstructured data, yes. transactions happening authorized there. So you can play with reads without any fear of doing any damage anywhere in the platform. Okay. But we see tech departments and banks being very, oh, I'm yeah. playing with the database. This is a little bit nervous. Yeah. I mean, is it okay to do this? And we're like, yes, it is absolutely okay. And even for us non-techers, we could actually play, we could yeah, shape that exactly. place as we need Exactly. It. And, that, and that's what's and it's driving all those tools up into kind of the management of business users mm -hmm. um, in order to kind of empower them and encourage them to start playing with it. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be scared. Right? Don't no. be frightened of this stuff. <laughs> Have a play. Dig in. Try and find some things that you didn't know about your customers and then figure out, if you want to change those, how to change them. And you can literally build rewards programs down into individual users if you want to. That level of data granularity is absolutely feasible. I, I, I hear this because I'm being encouraged by my senior management to stop playing in Excel and start <laughs> playing within the live systems a bit more. But, you know, I'm probably showing my age there. Um, it sounds fantastic. It sounds really exciting. I'm looking forward to, to watching Sascada this year and seeing what happens. So thank you, Nelson. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. It's been great fun. Yeah, it has. And thank you to listening to Beyond the Document. If you're interested in what Nelson and his team at Sascada do, then please visit sascada.com. That's S-A-A-S-C-A-D-A.com. I'm Ben Saxon. Join you next time on Beyond the Document.